people of Earth, if you are hearing this, you are receiving a signal from another planet. Fanboy planet. Watch animated chicks with inflatable breasts. You might be a Trekkie. Sit back and watch as the Uber geek goes and kicks it up a notch. Turn to the letter F in your dictionary and add this word to your vocabulary. Take a look, cause I'm the real McCoy. Damn it, Jim, I'm not a doctor. I'm just the definition of a fanboy, baby. I'm a nerd And it is that time again, fanboys. It is CarCast 2016. This is Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. If you need a theme song, we'll go, Fanboy! And I, don't, I, I don't even know. We have one. Uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm sitting here with Car D'Angelo, uh, owner of Earth 2 Comics in Sherman Oaks and Earth 2 Comics in Northridge. Um, and... Uh, as I remember, I can't remember what the name of that script writing podcast was where they said that comic book, the comic book guy, oh, way yes. back when. But uh, it was my friend Polaris, probably. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, when you were on her podcast on the page. as well. On the page, that's it. So, uh, the comic book guy, only now when you're in comic books, I don't think it's right to say the comic book guy. But when you were a comic in the book studios, guy. a comic book guy. One of many. Comic book guy. But you were the cream that raises to the top. I'm not, I'm not Ken, uh, Ken Anderson, is that. But they revealed his name to be. I don't remember something very bland. That was. The I, I think it is the only. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, before we get too deep in, of course, as you listen to this, if you have any questions, comments, compliments, commentary, criticism, if something we say causes you to shout at your device, write in to editor at fanboyplanet.com or make a comment on the Facebook page Fanboy Planet or tweet me. And it's awkward to say. Tweet me at Fanboy Planet. Or if you want to send us a picture, Instagram at Fanboy Planet. I can't figure out the point of Instagram, but I've, I've got it. I've got a lot it's of followers. Uh, I guess, yeah. Uh, are you on Instagram? Yes. Oh, I'm, why am I not following you? Are you? I will have to follow each other right after this <laughs> right <after> card <laughs> And uh, so I've got over my email, all those contact ways. And, of course, uh, if you uh, enjoy this podcast and would like to help support the cost of, uh, of hosting, you can go to PayPal and uh, send a little over at Fanboy Planet, uh, at editor at fanboyplanet.com. But, of course, I always feel bad, bad asking everybody because somewhere, some, someplace in the world right now, there's a, there's, there's a charity that needs your money more than I do. So, you know, but if you'd like to send a dollar, I appreciate it. All right, so... Uh, you you bring up an interesting point though. Are there emails that you have you've gotten about the car cast from people who wanted to scream at the at their device, but you didn't forward them to me? No, no. <laughs> actually, I usually get comments like you know chats when I'm on Facebook or so forth, where people say, "Oh, this is really fun." That you know, it's it's always a positive. People look forward to the car cast. Uh, you know, it's a different point of view than certainly listening to me talk about what I don't know about, but that doesn't stop me from talking about it anyway. Uh, it shouldn't stop any of us. No, no, and it, and it doesn't. We're in Los Angeles, so <laughs> <laughs> a basis of knowledge is no, uh, a lack of basis of knowledge is no impediment. Uh, so, uh, in fact, it's probably a, a plus. So, <laughs> let's go. We are recording, actually, the Wednesday after Comic-Con. Uh, 
Yes. So I've been without new comics. I actually stopped by Earth 2 on my way over here, picked up a few new comics, and uh, and Tales of the Batman. Thank you. Uh, Happy birthday. My birthday season continues with a gift from Carl D'Angelo, a signed copy of Tales of the Batman by Alan Brenner, which I'm just going to recommend sight unseen. I haven't opened the book yet. I'm just It's in my bag right now, and I'm just very excited to dive into that. Um, <clears throat> but let's talk about Comic-Con first, uh, which uh, I was informed by the lovely and talented Susan Avalon that uh, there may not be... Uh, next year, you might not be going to Comic-Con. The secret is out. Oh, I'm sorry. Did uh, I, no. say- <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think we kind of have that feeling every year, but there's also that feeling of, um, you know... Uh, if there if there's a reason to go, we may wind up going. But I think it is time for a year off in the sense of the things really hit such critical mass. Yeah. Um, you know, I find myself I found myself doing a lot of the things that I kind of do repetitively, and fewer of the things that that are unique to the year. Well, so I want to go. So if I go back, I want to go back as as a fan. So even if I, we went back next year for like a day, it would be. Don't tell her I said this, uh, but it would be. Luckily, like, she already <laughs> admitted she doesn't listen to the car cast. <laughs> I think saying, she already admitted she doesn't listen to me. Um, yeah, uh, <laughs> that too. But um, you know, it, I think the idea of taking the time off is not is also just not to go and making any commitments uh, to 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 things and sort of you know to be able to better play it as it as it lays. Uh, and you know, and go in and be able to enjoy things as a fan, as opposed to oh well, I have to do this retailer thing or or that meeting or make sure I see those people, and that kind of creates such a solid booking that well, you know, I don't get to enjoy the things that I used to enjoy about Comic Con from from you know fifteen years, years ago. Well, we had a conversation at Comic Con, and I, I so one of the reasons I like having the car cast is a retailer's perspective. I don't often get. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our conversations throughout the year, but we don't record those. We just have conversations. So you, you don't record those. Oh, okay. Oh, crap. It's all going to come back. It's all going to come back to haunt me. But uh, is with like Comics Pro, and you have a retailers meeting in. I guess this last year was Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, for a retailer, does Comic Con? Well, because the other thing that's changed too is DC's out here. Mm-hmm. There's a stronger Marvel base out here as well because of, uh, you know the publishing. Arm is still in New York, but maybe that will shift too. I, I don't know. But you certainly, in today's day and age, you certainly have enough talent and contact with editors in a way you wouldn't have, or publishers in a way you wouldn't have 15 years ago either. You're, you're, very, you're very correct. I mean, that's what I kept thinking, is that I didn't think as a retailer we were accomplishing more based on, compared to other things like Comics Pro or even Diamond Retailer Summits, which are focused retailer meetings, um, you know, it's always good to, you know, bang the drum for Comics Pro and have some, uh, you know, some contact there and have access for people who uh, wouldn't, you know, might not have gotten to a Comics Pro meeting yet, uh, or, uh, you know, and Diamond, though, Diamond has this three-hour lunch. It's just grown to this incredible thing, and I'm not going to, I don't want to badmouth any particular publisher, but it's a lot of selling and representation of what's in the previews magazine, Mm. Um, and it's just too many publishers, because even if every publisher gets 10 or 15 minutes, that wound up being, 
you know, there were 10 or 12 of them. I mean, I guess, and they must have been longer because the thing literally ran from noon to 3. And, you know, and DC kind of bats clean up and, and, and does, the le- you know, does the last thing. And it's kind of unfortunate because they're, you know, especially, they're one, certainly one of the top two publishers, but certainly they're the story of the current comics market with Rebirth. And they made a very quick presentation, partially because they felt, in my view, I mean, this isn't, you know, this is just my impression is, well, when we get up there and it's, you know, 2.45 and everybody's been sitting here sweating and they had their dry turkey sandwich and... Oh, and, and a mushy apple, and right? We didn't get the mushy apple. No, it's, it's a nice little box lunch. It's not bad. My, my only complaint has been they, they provide... It's a very... It's a big roll and it's a big sandwich. It's a nice filling sandwich, but they give you <laughs> one thing of mayonnaise and I'm, I'm a mayonnaise guy. <laughs> And and it's like and so it's a very dry sandwich and it could be and it could be more moist. So, but what I did last year I didn't do it this year but last year because I was staying in the Marriott and they had like this little like open deli area. You were stealing mayo from I, the Marriott. I took a whole thing of mayonnaise because I because I said the re- way I tried to get people to come to the Comics Pro meeting was was if you come to the Comics Pro meeting before the Diamond Lunch I'll give you extra mayonnaise. So I was trying to bribe. Did that work? <laughs> um, a few people did take me up on the extra mayonnaise. <laughs> It, it, it's a commodity. It's like it's like gold. It's like water and ice pirates. Man. Well, it's, well, you know, know. Oh, ice pirates. Oh, I saw that in the theater. Uh, I thought you were going to say you saw all the ice pirates cosplay this weekend. Was there ice pirates cosplay? Um, that's a forgotten classic. Uh, so, all right, and, and we'll come back down to the story of the year, which in comics, which I, I do think is is DC Rebirth. But overall, going to Comic Con. Um, what you know from the perspective outside of that three-hour meeting and dry turkey sandwich, uh, a, a lot of publishers throwing at you. Was there? Um, you also had a thing you did thing for the CBLDF, didn't you? For Hero Initiative. Hero Initiative. I'm right, sorry. and I, I spent yeah, and I spent uh, both fantastic both, uh, both charities. charities. Yeah, yeah. Then when, I mean, I went to. I mean, I always go to this. I mean, the and the CBLDF party on. Thursday night is always a fun right. to go to. And we went, we there, went there. Yeah, yeah we, we both went there um, with Jason Sachs. Yes, and uh, and and uh, when I but when I saw my friend who who is director of uh, of CBLDF and I told him I was doing the hero thing, I did suddenly I had that feeling that sometimes customers have when they see me at Comic Con and they're buying something, they're like, um, you "I'm are sorry, cheating. I'm seeing I'm seeing other dealers," you know, <laughs> and I was like, "Alex, I'm seeing other charities. I'm sorry." <laughs> I've always found that a that a polyamorous relationship with your comic book shops are the best. You know, yeah. Elusive Comics knows I see Earth too as well. Um, yeah, as long as everyone's up above board. Right? Yes, yes. Um, but Hero, yes, um, they do uh, part. I mean, they do a lot of fundraising efforts at Comic Con, uh, and one of them is to, you know, uh, we you know, set up a little space in a in in a in a private restaurant, uh, invite. You know, try and get certain creators come in to commit to doing a bunch of signings that all, you know all the autographs are raising money for um, you know people have prepaid or pre-donated uh, or submitted things for CGC um, signature submission and it just you know so so there's it, it um, so it's just a concentrated way so if a creator wants to commit a little bit of time uh, and 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 do that we you know it just 
kind of focuses the effort and raises some money. And, and I want to clarify that's all that's all arranged ahead of time. It's yes. not something that was open to the public to come in and right. bring in their books. You had to know. You had to send your books in. Right. First. I mean, you know, there's a few myself and a few other stores that kind of recruit people to to submit books. Um, you know, CGC their recruitment is part of it. Um, uh, there's a store in Toronto, uh, Paradise Comics. I met uh, that the, the the fellow from there, and he he, he was great. So it's a lot of coordinated um, you know coordinated efforts. And I was just asked because this year one of the people who normally helped out has has a job now with a publisher, and so couldn't you know had to represent the, the was it was there <coughs> to represent the publisher. Um, so I, I was asked to help, and it was you know and part of it was also you know it was you know. Again, you have a lot of you know people coming in and out, so it's also just you know, part of it is, is is organizing the books and keeping people you know uh, making sure they have what mm-hmm. they need in terms of food and drinks and um, you know, and mayonnaise and mayonnaise. Plenty I, of mayonnaise. I, you know, I am the mayo. I am the mayo king. <laughs> but I, I love the. But just I mean, my my plug is I love the Hero Initiative because what they do, you know, and 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 you know, uh, you know, classic Silver Age, you know, war artists. Um, Sea Devil's artist Russ Heath is like their poster boy, uh, you know, and, and, you know, for the kinds of things they can do. And they did some uh, help for Mike Grell in the last few years as well. And I do want to say, I think we just paused a second and define for those who are new to the CarCast or new to the concept of the Hero Initiative uh, is, uh, is a charity uh, or an organization. Let's not call it charity, but I mean it is. But, yeah. but it, it helps those creators uh, both Silver Age with, with Russ Heath, uh, you know, any, anybody that worked in the comics industry but, and suddenly finds themselves with, um, you know, medical bills. Right. Um, all sorts of needs. All I mean, sorts of needs. Yeah, you know, usually it's, it's, it's social security for comics. But yeah, I mean, you know, they've helped out people who can't pay their rent. I mean, who just need, you know, to, to, to get through a month. And, you know, yeah, my pitch is always these guys are freelancers uh, and gals, but, you know, the, I mean, you know, the, these, these, these creators were, were freelancers. With no pensions and no, you know, health insurance, um, nobody helping them with those, you know, planning for the future. So, um, you know, and they're not necessarily getting, you know, um, you know, there's work they do and there's work they can do, but it's not like they're, you know, and, and some can't, can't and some can't anymore. You know, that's I mean, that's really Russ Heath actually he drew. That strip about a, bottle, a nice bottle of wine or a glass. Oh of wine. yeah, that great from Blazing Combat is yeah. One of the, it's a beautiful story about you know yeah. uh, the need for money and that he, and his expenses are so tight that the little things that just every now and then it'd be nice to have a you know be able to have a glass of wine. Oh oh that, oh that's what he oh I didn't say oh I thought you know he actually wrote Blazing Combat. He also wrote it where he drew a famous combat story which is centered around a bottle of wine. Well, get that, it. Nice <laughs> wine. Thank you. No, but thank you. that's probably why he did that. Yes. It's a connection that I, I was not a big war comic fan. Uh, I like Russ Heath's art, but I discovered right. him later in my life as, as someone identifying. Uh, my brother has had eye problems. Uh, my friend uh, Mo Heilbron, Dr. Dr. Mo uh, of Kevin and Bean, is the, oh. the medical uh, consultant for Hero Initiative. So oh, great. It's a, it's a nice, you know, and the Comic Book Legal Defense Fund, we mentioned going to that party on Thursday, is uh, for those uh, is to combat censorship and uh, and help pay legal bills for things like that. So two fantastic right. uh, organizations connected to comics. So uh, that was your th- those were your duties at Comic Con. Yes. How about the event itself for you? Um, I was gonna if 
we were proposing subtitles. If we were proposing subtitles, we can propose subtitles. Okay. My subtitle like. is you know, Comic Con 2016, or How I Went to San Diego, and all I got was this was was a lousy Daddy's Little Monster T-shirt. I didn't even get that. No, because no, uh, I, I, no, I just like that. To me, that was like the. I'm always every year. I'm always thinking partially for the the the, the podcast and partially just you know the mental. How do I make? How is this year different from other years? And I think the the if there was a winner across the board, the Harley Quinn movie version, Daddy's Little Monster, hands down. Absolutely, wins. I think um, that was probably the cosplay I saw cosplay, the most. Yeah, um, and that's interesting because I know there's a lot of backlash. Uh, I saw just before Comic Con articles about like the more uh, the, f- the the less clothing she wears. The more popular Harley Quinn got, and they're complaining about the objectification of Harley hmm. Quinn, which I feel, on one hand, I do understand the viewpoint, but on the other, I said, then you've missed the point. Would you rather have those days when she was, while completely covered up, she was just the love slave of the Joker? I mean, right. she she was ill. Uh, not that she's well now, but uh, oh, she's doing just fine. <laughs> But she's definitely got the bad girl empowerment. Yes. It's just another view of empowerment, I guess, is what I'm saying. So, um, it, and it is interesting how that, is, you know, I would say probably the two licensing success stories of the year for DC, well, one is for DC, which is Harley Quinn, and the other for Marvel is Deadpool. Yes. And they're both very transgressive characters pushing the edge, uh, definitely, uh, I would say, gender fluid to some extent mm-hmm. as well, both of them. Um they're a symbol of the 21st century. I'm, I'm not sure how comfortable I am with that as a as a somewhat socially conservative uh, person. But I, I, and when I say that, I mean for myself in my own personal life, you know, behave somewhat conservatively. But um, it is interesting that those, that those both are the characters that have been really uh, driven by hot topics, certainly. But, <laughs> <laughs> but they're very pop. I mean, it, it is. They're both characters that. Harley is, you know, is a great character, um, and you know, came out of, you know, in terms of modern character. I don't. Know, I was going to say came out of necessity. That's not really the right word, but came out of a a. Sorry for the pause. It came out of by coming out by coming out of the animated show. It came out of a place where they had all this, all these characters and all these storylines to play with, but they still said. You know, you know, Paul Dini and Bruce Tim are sitting there and go, but what else can we do? I mean, because when you think about it, it's not like they were really sitting there every week, you know, trying to create. They went through the Batman mythology pretty mm-hmm. thoroughly to, you know, in terms of even adapting, you know, uh, different stories and using Hugo Strange and using Professor Milo and using a lot of... Well, even when you do that, they, uh, the thing is, like, I, I see most with Batman is we keep re- returning to the well... And telling the same stories over and over again. Mm-hmm. That they actually found something new yeah. by creating Harley. Um, and and something new in the most classic, overdone Batman relationship there is, which is the Batman-Joker relationship. Yeah. I mean, and it's the funny thing, because if you think about it, where Batman was always, you know, obsessed with, um, you know, or Joker was always obsessed with Batman, the idea of giving Joker another... You know, such a compatriot. I'm actually going to go out on a limb and say... Do it. <laughs> I don't think this is what they're thinking, but I'm going to say that... Go, Mogul. Harley Quinn... But watch for a dead tree. Okay, go ahead. Harley Quinn is the Anne Harriet of Batman the Animated Series in this way. She's the character introduced to cut through the the potential 
homoerotic relationship. Because on, on, on TV, they had to have Aunt Harriet there to have yes. a woman in the house so it wouldn't be, so there wouldn't be anything seemingly, uh, you know, mm-hmm. questionable between, you know, Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson. And just, I'm just trying to think creatively, did they, did they come up with this other character for Batman the Animated Series because they had this really outrageous Joker. I mean, that that they were trying to sort of keep it from being too much of, you know, keep the obsession have from you, seeing... Have you seen the General Hospital clip that inspired Deanie? I did see that. I did see that. That costume. That was weird, yeah. That it's Arlene Sorkin. Oh. It really is. She was a, She came in in this, like, dream sequence dressed right. that way. Wow. And they just pulled that straight in. Why that connected and why it's Arlene Sorkin and both, I don't know. I mean, that's, you know, it is interesting. That's the origin. I certainly knew that, that, that Harley Quinn back in the 90s was very empowering to, for lack of a better phrase, go ahead, write in, editor at fanboyplanet.com. Shout <laughs> at your device. For lack of a better term, the geek girls. Yeah. Which weren't, they were not that mainstream. They were not about board, but right. I was teaching them. Uh, they would find their way, you know, and say, oh, Mr. McCall's in the comics. I can talk to them about it. Right. And, um, so I, I know that she had struck a chord then, but now, I mean, it's, yeah. it, she really got mainstream with Arkham Asylum with a game. Yes. And, uh, and certainly the Suicide Squad, I, and Rick and I have talked about it on the podcast, that Margot Ro- Robbie has found a new characterization, a new, de- you know, I mean, it's still very clearly Harley Quinn, but she's not trying to do the voice of Arlene yeah. Sorkin. Uh, it's a new character for 2016 and for live action. You know, it still has the spirit, but, um, you know, we'll all know in a couple of weeks when Suicide Squad actually opens up if, if it's any good. Right. But right now, definitely in the consciousness, I'd say that uh, that was, you, you know, back to your original point, that was really the big thing at Comic-Con. So, yes. so many. I felt bad for Wonder Woman. I mean, there they had all those costumes mm-hmm. for Wonder Woman, and really everything at the booth was Suicide Squad. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think the the classic. I mean, the movie. I mean, the trailer looks good. I like I like the trailer. I'm I'm, I'm intrigued by the whole. Let's not do world. Everybody does World War Two. We're going to do World War One. I. I mean, yeah, it's kind of a woman, fascinating yes. choice. Um, and I understand they're pushing a 75th anniversary, but you know the 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 fans want what the fans want. So yes, they're going to generate. You know, you can't. I mean, people do love Wonder Woman. I just don't think it's you know it. it yeah, you know, but they've got. I mean, again, the good news for DC, and I was going to say, you know, I mean, I, people, most people, I know we're talking, I mean, the media side, I feel like DC was also kind of the the, the, the winner. Um, I didn't hear... I think so. You know, um, I just didn't hear people talking about the other things as much, but between the Justice League trailer, the, the Flash season three stuff, you know, Wonder Woman, and Suicide Squad, I mean, it just kind of created this... this this energy that that was the well, and all the animated stuff that's coming up. But you know, I think for Warner Brothers winning is the story wasn't so much uh, that this was good. I mean, that, I guess the thing is for 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 Marvel, like the biggest story out of Hall H was not the Doctor Strange trailer. It was not even Guardians. Of, it was sort of Guardians of Galaxy related, which was. That the Tower of Terror is re- being redone as a Guardians of the Galaxy ride in Disney California Adventure. Oh, okay. So that was well, that was long rumored anyway. But but that was the story for Marvel because when you talk about the movies, well, the the Marvel movies have become like pizza. Even when they're not really great pizza, they're still pretty good. People yeah. are happy with them. Whereas DC has now had that 
underdog and come back over and do a right story because people responded so poorly to Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice, that you come back and say, oh, here's Justice League. That looks fun. Suicide Squad looks fun. And Wonder Woman, that was the character. Nobody hated Wonder Woman and Batman v Superman. Everybody praised her for what really isn't a lot of screen time, but is a strong, but is a memorable performance, just not a lot to it. Right, right. Um, Although I, I still will defend, I think Gal Gadot gave more to it than she needed to, and which is good. You know, I, I've, I've, I've watched that movie. Well, she shouldn't you know. give less. No, 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 <laughs> absolutely. But now, having watched it four times, uh, the, watched the movie, the, the Batman v Superman, I watched it three times yeah. theatrically, and, and then I watched the Ultimate Edition, and which is better. I know. Uh, so, you know it, it's, it couldn't be worse. No, <laughs> that's not um, uh, no, you know that 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 gives the press something to arc onto as well. Yeah, it's like suddenly, ooh, look, they've learned from their mistakes. But it's sort of like the Captain America high mm-hmm. Hail Hydra moment. Yeah, maybe. Except the way production works is they were probably on the right path anyway. I, I you know, I don't know, and uh, uh, so I. But I, but I would agree with you. Warner Brother came out on top. Warner Brothers came out on top as the. As the story, DC Entertainment came out mm-hmm. on top as the story over Marvel, despite the fact that the Doctor Strange trailer looked amazing. Yeah, um, but why? Why are they bending so many buildings? Is this just a story about building benders? I don't remember that many buildings bending in. in, in it's in, a backdoor <laughs> pilot for damage control. Um, they're finally going to bring damage control in. But you know, that's another thing where where DC Entertainment, on purpose or not, beat. Uh, you know, is beating Marvel with uh, with powerless um, is essentially a concept of the ordinary people like damage yeah. control. That's going to make it to NBC before ABC could finish developing damage, damage control, control, which was announced last year. That's an interesting comparison. And Suicide Squad is beating even Doctor Strange to establishing firmly. Actually, Rick and I just talked about this earlier today. We're in a time-bending warp. Who knows in what order these podcasts yes. will go. This is going to uh, show up around Christmas if... Uh... Uh, no, no, no. no. <laughs> it's just, no seriously, this is the third podcast I've recorded today <laughs> so, that I, so that I can go on vacation. Uh, <laughs> it's all banked. And, and it's interviews and stuff. But, but we did talk about the movies. Is The Suicide Squad, by firmly, firmly establishing that the Enchantress is mystical, that she's been alive and possessing people for thousands of years. Suicide Squad is going to beat... Marvel to the out of the gate saying there's magic, and the reversal of Justice League is doubling down and saying all these worlds that it took Marvel so long, understandably, to okay we've established techno heroes can happen. We established the Hulk because everybody remembers the Hulk. They'll buy that, and then you got into Thor and they're like, well, they're aliens. Can people understand aliens? Just is that what we're supposed to believe about Thor? That it's Thor's an alien. Yeah, they're long lived aliens. Okay. And they try, you know, everything was given a, 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 an answer in physics. That's why they, right. they they amplified, I can't remember his character name, but Stellan Skarsgård in there. Right. And why he became so important and now is more important in the comics. Because that's the scientific answer to right. who they all are. But uh, but the reverse is, Justice League's going to come out, we've got Atlantis. There's no question. There's this underwater guy. Right. We've seen, we'll have seen the Enchantress. She, and, okay, here, it's, this is one of the things... Let's talk about Aquaman uh, because I keep trying to figure out this 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 choice of the new design of Aquaman because he looks like Namor, doesn't? I mean, isn't it more of a Namor look than uh, than Aquaman? I mean, you got the dark hair, the angular features, and 
and and the, the the facial hair. I know Aquaman's had facial hair, but I felt if they went blonde, he would have looked might have looked too much like Thor. I suspect there might be something to that, but as far as the costume goes, he reminds me of the '90s, the Peter David run. Right, right. That you know they just didn't give him the hook for the hand. Thank right. heavens, because that was that was dumb. But it's definitely that. You know, I I saw the action figure. Uh, my son's response after we saw Batman v Superman is, "Why did they bother putting Aquaman? Why did they bother making a toy if he's only going to be in the movie for a minute?" He was very very upset. Yeah. And uh, but so wait, there's an action figure, a Batman v Superman Aquaman an figure? action figure. Yes, they there's a Flash. No, nope. probably not. No, nope. they've got other Flash figures. Well, you know, and the other thing is what I noticed by the Justice League trailer is that even the the look of the Flash in that movie, uh, Zach, uh, not Zach. Um, Oh, what is that kid's name? Uh, an E? Ezra Miller. Okay. Yeah. That he is, I think I knew there was a Z in there somewhere. <laughs> Ezra Miller looks very different in that Justice League trailer than he looks in Batman v Superman, as if they had heard the criticism and cleaned him up. Because yeah. he, when they had he, uh, yep. when they had Lex Luthor's fabulous uh, branding exercise yep. where he hired graphic designers to come up with logos <laughs> uh, for the people he hated, uh, that... That, that footage, he's got the long hair, he's you know, scruffy, and then of course you saw him that in Batman's dream sequence, and then in this he's completely clean shaven, short yep. hair, it's like, yes, there's a response. It, it's one of the things uh, that I thought was like a mistake in Batman v Superman, the Ultimate Edition, is because it adds nothing. Is there more of that to sequence? The, to the footage, no, 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 no. Is, um, there's an appearance by what we'll assume is Steppenwolf. Right. And I thought that was a mistake to put back in because... Now they're now they're stuck with that because it's not a great design. It's a very you know mm-hmm. it's not in line with the take they're trying to make in Justice League. It's a little lighter hearted, right. and yet absolutely a great trailer for not showing us Superman, even though we know that Superman's going to have to. He's in the poster, right. um, not showing us who the big bad is, just establishing tone, characterization, interaction. Well, it's what's fun. what's canon? Is the theatrical version canon, or is the the theatrical version will be canon? Right, and there's no so there's no Steppenwolf, so they could in the same hope- way that they're changing. I mean, if they're changing Flash's look, which was actually in the movie, <laughs> yeah. And I know again because that's a future version, but perhaps of the. I mean, there's different. Oh no, no, no! I know you yourself gave me that answer weeks ago on Facebook. You what? know what it is. Hyper time. Hyper time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's always hyper time. <laughs> it's always hyper time. That's why the Hawk and the Dove aged and, and everybody else didn't. I think hyper time was the most brilliant uh, concept ever. Uh, certainly, have you ever, if you've ever had an argument with a loved one uh, in which oh, they remembered something differently, just go, damn it, I'm stuck in hyper time yes. again. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so that, that's the movie side. Um, and we got a Comic Con, which uh, the other thing with Comic Con, which is of interest, and I started to touch on it on this other podcast, which is either in the past or in the future, is that, and I think you guys commented on it when we had dinner Thursday night, that it felt less attended, like it was less crowded. And one of the things, the theories is, because of the RFIDs, the passes, people couldn't pass easily, because you you had to beep in and beep out. And so it was tracking people. They could not share IDs. Well, that's that's an interesting thing. I mean, if, if... <clears throat> Someone used the word counterfeiting, but I think, but I expect part of what used to happen, and I may or may not know an exhibitor or two who used this trick at this convention or other conventions, but there is the trick of, especially when you've got exhibitors and a bunch of people are going to be working at the table, you know, you can, you know, 
go in, take, and then someone walks out with three badges, and 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 yeah, and and comes and then walks, and, you know, gives them to three people and walks back in, right? Because no one's really, no one's really checking your badges on the floor. No one's throwing you out because you don't have a badge. And if you were behind a booth table, doubtful anybody would say, "Hey, where's your 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 your, your badge?" So I'm not saying yeah. it's just exhibitors. No. In fact, I think that was something interesting was they still. And I always look at this as this is a transition year that you had to swipe in and they still asked to see your badge right. when you walked onto the exhibit floor. Right. And I thought, well, that's silly. If we couldn't even get in here without the badge, right. I don't, how do we get, you know. But I think that's left over from that's what we've always done. And in a year or two, they'll go, oh, that's probably not necessary. If they get as far. It may not be necessary. Yeah, and I think they had the manpower, so you might as well have people doing it. And it's also to keep that people are, you know, that you are using your badge because you know you're, you know some mm-hmm. people um, you know if you've, you've traded badges with someone, but I think I think that's part of it. But I also think, I mean, you know, again, it, it is a question: was that if that really was a problem that people were somehow sneaking in that one badge was getting in more than one person? Because yes, it was a it was like the riddle of you know you're the fox, the chicken, and the and the you know yeah, the corn. How you know you know getting over the you know you leave one on the side. I mean, you couldn't if you couldn't walk out. If you had to beep in and beep out, then you wouldn't be able to... So presumably, if you snuck two badges out, if you didn't scan both of them, one of them wasn't going to let you back in. Is that what would have happened? I, it, I, it, I don't know. I don't know, because my... you know my. Uh, I'm sure someone walked out without scanning I, a badge. I, I, but I, I, know, I heard people at WonderCon saying, I had to go to security or somewhere to explain, or they couldn't, you know. I need to write to Comic-Con and make sure at, at like 5 o'clock on Sunday... I discovered that my badge had fallen off my lanyard, oh. and, and it was. But it was five o'clock. I said, right. "They'll let me out, right? I'm not going to be trapped in convention center for a year." But I was, I got nervous. I was like, "Why are you nervous?" I'm like, "I don't, I don't know. They've got me so convinced." No, but you can't get back in next year because you didn't swipe out. No, no, they weren't afraid of. <laughs> no, they weren't. There were security guards going, "Just go, just go." <laughs> they were all like right. waving crazy. Someone may have stolen it. Well, that's the other. I mean, I saw it because of the. Um, the other crazy thing was, and this has been a trend for years, but I have a, in this room we are in, I yes. mean, you know, here's an example, God, I don't know when this is from, visual cue, you know, this is last year, see, but last year, you know, the cards were pretty big, you can, my, my name, you know, Card D'Angelo, you have one line for each word, or two comics, Sherman Oaks, California, sorry for the, for the plug, um, no, four, no, day, 20, four day 2015 Comic Con International, yeah, this was Comic Con. It wasn't um, yeah. WonderCon or anything. And so you walk up and people could see who you were. Now, oddly, because I'm quoting the comic, we were all the Walking Dead because we, yeah, we, you know, we're wearing a, a, a lanyard with a the R the the R, what's it called RFID yeah. RFID radio frequency ID. The radio card is got the Walking Dead ad on it, so we're all kind of just. Promote that we all look and like we're all sterile as a result. <laughs> and, we're all sterile. <laughs> and we all look like we're just walking around promoting Walking Dead, and your names are just like super tiny. And so, yeah. you know, if you ran into somebody that you didn't know, you couldn't just do the "Hey, Derek." You know, it was that's why know. I had that separate lanyard which stayed. It had the uh, which uh, Rick had made up for all of us. You know, which is a great yes. Thing. And so, so you have nice. your fanboy planet logo, a, a giant. I will do. I will. Card. I will combine lanyards and do something like that. Last next year, what I do is well, I if you could cosplay as uh, Jared Leto as the Joker and just write "car" across your there forehead, you do that. Yeah, I um. But when we ran into Maggie Thompson, um, your former, you know, you know, the high lady of fandom, yes, and um, 
uh, you know, former editor of Comics Buyer's Guide, and she had that as well, you know, and you know, and it was you know very nicely padded and on both sides it said Maggie Thompson in really big letters, and and I thought yes, that's a good idea. Is if you want to be, yeah, if you want to help people out, yeah, that's the thing to do. If you want to be saying want to be recognized, but if you want to. If you want to enable that interaction and not drive people crazy because you forgot to say hi, I'm you know hi, I'm Car again or something. Yeah. Well, with the result of this control, though, there are there's now a hypothesis that they can sell more tickets next year because they no longer are afraid of. That's well, that's my theory in the sense of that they they obviously they have better they have hardcore. Uh, numbers for who, how many people were on the floor, how many people are, even mm-hmm. if you take the thing, how many people are in the confines of the convention center, they know. So they can probably use that data collection for certain reasons. Yeah. Um, and they, and also, and someone said this to me, by making, if they make, the, if they work with the outside events, you know, this, this, um, to recognize the badges somehow. Um, yeah. Then, you know, and, and recognize memberships. Meaning, although I think you, like I said, you can go down to Comic Con and not have a badge, and you can spend a lot of time seeing a lot of cool stuff just in in the guest land. No, absolutely. Um, but if 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 they if they tighten those people up into into sort of you know I don't say signing a pledge. I mean, but you know, you know to to try and enforce. You can only go into this if you're if you're a member or if you get scanned or whatever. That would also uh, broaden the the um, the range of what would be under the, the the guise of you know of the of the fire laws because you can say well we have a thousand people at the Conan O'Brien Theater right now and we have fifty people at the Star Trek Museum and fifty people. Which I at, forgot to go to that the Star Trek Gallery. I saw it Sunday night and went ah crap it's over. Yeah, yep. That that was that was the day we wanted to go to the Mister Ro. I really wanted to go to the Mister Robot shop. That was the, I did too. I, I and it was right by my hotel. Yeah, and I just never never. Got, I mean, that's it was a big thing and and, uh, and it was like a long. The time, one time we went by to actually said we're going to do it and we set aside time. It was I think this was this was the crazy part. It was about five o'clock in the afternoon. It closed at eight, and they were like, "Oh, sorry, the line's already closed." So it was basically a three-hour. Well, because if line. you're using with the, the the downside to VR, which there was a lot of VR stuff on display, is that it is not a fast. It's not a fast road, uh, you know, pass through. Right, right. You know, the DC booth was demoing the Batman VR game right. that's coming, and it was two at a time, and it had to reset, do all this stuff, and I think they gave tickets away in the morning, and it was fewer than sixty people got to experience it. Wow, a day. Yeah, you know, um, and uh, there was an X Men one too. Uh, it's all kind of. Well, I, I did the uh, virtual recality. The uh, oh, the, the Rick one. and Morty. <laughs> yes. So I went back. I as uh, my friend Chris Tong always says, abuse your power. So dub dub. So I, you know, contacted them and said, you know, is there a possibility that I can get in before it opens and and walk through it um, because I'm fascinated by it, but. Um, that I, that was a five minute demo, so they only had like two tents up there. So if anybody, you know, and they're resetting and, and yeah, acclimatizing, yeah. that's a time consuming thing. I don't right. even know how the FX ones went. They had an American Horror Story one, which I freely admit I was too scared to, to do right. that. Yeah, yeah. 
But and but I mean the Rick and Morty one is that then to promote a VR game? There is a it is right. a game coming and it was a five see, minute demo. Yeah. See that that's buzz and that you know, sells. I mean yes, yeah, for something like Mister Robot, the idea. I mean because I don't think there's a game or anything. It was just they were trying to create an experience and create yeah. some buzz. But yeah, I mean, but if only you know, yeah, hundred people a day can go through it. It's sort of like. And he went to Mr. Robot and said, uh, basically, the corporations are controlling you right now. USA <laughs> Network owns That's you. That's right. You know, there's an irony to that. I wish I got an F-Society mask. Those were those were cool. There were a lot of those out there. Yeah, yeah. There was a, there were some cool giveaways. I didn't really get any, any giveaways this year. It was kind of Susan was commenting on this. She always <laughs> would like to go to the, to especially to get, you know, because there were always even, like, just even utilitarian things. Good bags and stuff. Yeah. But it seems everybody went cheap with just the fans. You yeah, know, this this year, which is sort of like the you know the uh, I saw a stack out on your kitchen table. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Which which is like you know the which is like the free pen of you know San Diego. It's like it's not that's not giving out a fan isn't really a thing. I mean, it has no. Well, it's easy to get the vapors when you're stuck yeah. on the exhibition. <laughs> you, you need to go. No, yeah, maybe it's useful, but you know, but there weren't as many any 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 bags. Uh, Susan did score herself a superhero girls bag, even though they you know. They're very adamant at registration about not picking your bag or not. Oh, really? Because they totally let me go through. Oh, did they? What did I end up with? I can't remember. Uh, I got Justice League action. Oh, I would have loved Justice League action. I got Vixen, and again, I just you know, kind of, and I I don't know. And there's not a Vixen separate thing. She's in the Justice League. No, no, no. There is. She's in Suicide Squad. No, she's an Arrow. She's an Arrow. Uh, sort of. Okay, so uh, let me explain the Vixen thing for you. There's this whole online thing CW has called CW Seed, okay. which it seems like no one's aware of that. They've got a little sub-network going on on the web, CW Seed, okay. and there's an animated series for Vixen set in the Arrowverse, and Grant Gustin and Stephen Amell have guested as animated versions of Flash wow. and, and Arrow, and Vixen showed up on Arrow live action, the same actress went over to live action as well. Now, in DC's Legends of Tomorrow, they're going to say now that Vixen is a generational character and Mari's grandmother will be appearing on DC's Legends of Tomorrow as an earlier version of the Vixen wearing the totem. So, um... She's actually been running through the CW for a while. Okay, but it's a photo, so maybe then it's a Legends of Tomorrow. No, it's the actress from Arrow. Oh, and so they're advertising the animated series by using the actual actors. Okay. So I know it's it's very confusing. This is like my favorite in the April Fools edition of uh, DC, the Amazing World of DC Comics, and they did phony solicits. Yes. And it was for an issue of Hawkman, and it said, and it was Hawkman uses technology of the future and weapons of the past to fight crime and become horribly confused in the present. <laughs> And it's true. It's true. Uh, and I would say the bags were interesting. New design this year, a big, long flap. The flap. The big flap, which I liked that, although it became very difficult to tell if I even had anything in the bag. Yes. Uh, by the time I'm packing up on, on Monday morning. But the other big thing that they had announced ahead of time was that it was going to be AR. And the flaw in making the bags AR active was that uh, the... Internet access is terrible at the convention center. We got one hundred and thirty thousand yeah, yeah, people yeah. at once. So did that, I, did that shut down the Pokemon going? 
Because um, I, didn't, I didn't see as much of that as I thought I would. Well, that's because I was hiding it from you at dinner. But <laughs> <laughs> when I was doing this under the table. I don't just mean you. I mean, in, in, in general. Today, was there a, was there a Hawaiian uh, Pokemon at the restaurant? Uh, Hawaiian theme? I, I did very well with the crabs. Uh, wait, that's probably an awkward thing to say. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, no, because, you know, the thing I, I was going to ask you, because the restaurant in the corner I discovered Earth 2 is a Pokestop. But you're not, and I don't know how they justify that. But because well, because they used to have a mural, so they like places yes, that have. Yes, it has a historical historical thing. Yes, uh, but but the thing about the convention center was indeed that because it's by the bay, yeah, uh, that water Pokemon show up more frequently. So actually, Monday morning I took a long walk along the uh, along that you know, wow. and uh, and and as I did a little video of what. San Diego looks like afterwards, and people said it's like The Walking Dead. It's like, you know, just the timeless, they've taken the curtain down on the timeless yeah. thing, which is one of those, you know, those rides where you spin and the, and the G-forces put you up against yeah, the wall yeah. until you throw up. And it was just like, I got a shot where there was no one there, and it was just slowly spinning as if everyone had <laughs> And then I go to the convention center, there's no one there, and no one's ever seen this angle on it, you know? Yeah, a few of my exhibitor friends, yeah, were doing, you know, pictures from, like, Tuesday night and Monday, you know, and it, yeah. and it had that, like, you know, the calm before the storm. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 very fascinating. Uh, next year as well, Comic-Con is going to be the week after D23 in Anaheim, which means that we will not see representation from Marvel and Disney at Comic-Con. We may see comics, but I, there's no point in a movie presentation because everything will be announced the week before. Right. Uh, which I, I should say, the big, the the potentially biggest story that Marvel had out of their Hall H was Brie Larson confirmed as Captain yes. Marvel. Very good. Yeah, I don't know what else to say. Except nice, and she tweeted a very nice picture of herself saying, call me Captain. And yes. A lot of men did. <laughs> so. she's, she's yeah, she's great. Um, you know, been a fan of her since um, United States of uh, Terra. Terra, yeah, and um, which sort of had was a weird geek role in that too. She kind of worked well, and with she her. was in Scott Pilgrim vs. Yes, the World, yeah. and she was on Community. She was fantastic as Ovid's girlfriend on Community. Oh, right. Just a couple of episodes, yeah. you know. She's a great actress. No doubt, though, it's the winning the Oscar that pushed her into Marvel's right. viewpoint, but, you know, that's Hollywood people. Well, I think that, that certainly, you know, helps. I mean, it, 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 there's a there's a, um, a status to a lot of the, you know, when you think of Robert Downey Jr. and Mark Ruffalo, I mean, there's, you know, high, uh, you know... Well, it's interesting about it, because Chris Hemsworth really hadn't been anything before he was right. Thor, but he had Joss Whedon's approval. You right. know, that was the thing. They had done yeah. uh, Cat in the Woods, and Joss Whedon suggested him. So... Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting next year. So let's talk about comics and the story. The big story for retail and the big story for the year would be DC Rebirth. I would assume so. Yes, uh, I mean it's it, it's it's really great. I mean, it, it, you know, in the sense of people are excited to read DC comics again and and comics in general. I mean, I think these you know we need these um, you know. Uh, Reboots or reintroductions to the characters in some mm-hmm. way every now and then. I mean, I think the one thing, I mean, not to be negative, the one thing I was talking with someone else about this today is that, because I was going through an old collection and I was finding things like, you know, 70s stuff like Warlock and, you know, they're, they're, what kind of happens sometimes when they do these things is you lose some of the opportunity to, to you know, get that new talent team 
to take on a kind of obscure character that no one's really doing anything with, you know, like mm-hmm. Jim Starlin coming onto Warlock in the seventies, or even that's right, he hadn't created it. Know, I just feel I that's my feeling. I forget that Warlock was out of Fantastic Four. Well, Fantastic Four from the sixties, and then Thor was a Kirby. Yeah, Kirby creation, kind of, <laughs> sorta, and then they tried to superhero him up, Roy Thomas and Gil Kane. Oh, okay, and then, because he's so Jim Starlin to me. Right, that's when I discovered him. So. Yeah, but he's but he's a taking some, you know. But even Captain Marvel, you know, uh, you know, Jim Starlin and, and Captain Marvel was taking stuff that was 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 evolving. Yeah, you know, sort of previous uh, you know versions. You kind of lose some of that in some way. Folk, you know, returning the focus to the mainstays, but at the same time, it really, you know, I, I think they were addressing the feeling that that you know, Superman certainly had been kind of off keel. For the past few years, I mean, all due respect to everyone who's worked on on the book, but I think Superman was sort of the casualty of New Fifty Two for a lot of different, you know, logistical reasons as well mm-hmm. as creative ones. You know, as much as I love the idea of Grant Morrison doing action comics, but I think starting off by doing the five years earlier thing just kind of put a weird, you know, by starting off action comics five years earlier, it. Just it, was, threw it, off. it was confusing. It, yeah, and it just threw off what people could do after that because they couldn't because no one knew what other first they could do. If, if like you know, oh, if if Grant is claiming all the firsts because he's going to get Lex Luthor and he's going to get Brainiac and he's going to get this and he's going to get that, how do I how do right. I introduce drama into my right. runs right. later? Um, but aside from that, uh, you know, I mean, it, you know, the, the, and the great thing in the store has been, in addition to, you know, a lot of people think, oh, this is all about the older fans coming back, blah, blah, blah. I have to say, the thing that I've noted, in the, and maybe it's also the good timing of it being, was being June and school being out, but for the first time in ever, uh, in terms of having the store, because I've had the store 12 or 13 years, we're seeing, you know, 12, 13, 14-year-old boys coming in to buy comics, and they want to buy The Flash, and they want to buy Flash Rebirth, and they want to buy Batman, and they want to buy Arrow. And some of that is coming from um, the TV side, perhaps, Mm -hmm. but it also shows the importance of having those comics that are jumping on point. Mm-hmm. You know, because, I mean, Arrow's been on a few years, and again, and, and they were always kind of confused coming in and going, you know, that it's on Arrow 24s or on Flash 32, you know, and it's, you know, that didn't bother us when we were kids. You just dived in and yeah. figured it out as you went along. But, you know, but they were also like the, the, the TV-based comics, and then there were the trade paperbacks. But the good news is that for a certain segment, it's giving them a place to kind of enter and I think that's right. a good thing to well, do. Well it is an interesting thing. You should bring up to me Green Arrow is the big success story of Rebirth mm-hmm. because it did something that a Green Arrow comic hasn't done for me in about a decade, which is make me want to read a Green Arrow comic. Yeah. And even though I recognize that many of the beats are the same things that went from basically setting him back to the Neil Adam the Denny O'Neill Neil Adams days my my thought, just as uh, today, a book that came out reminded me the same thing of Rom, number one, is telling a story with a modern twist that was told 30 years ago. Right. But the reality is, and I think Jason Sachs and I brought this up at dinner, that you can't hand hard-traveling heroes or those old books to a kid right now. They don't read well. Right. They're, it's a different style of storytelling. It's, it's out of time for them. They don't understand mm-hmm. it. So... 
rebirth really is is a rebirth of a readership, giving people younger people a hook in. And and I thought the same thing. I read wrong, bought it at Comic Con, and read it uh, this morning. That there it is. Is who's going to read the Bill Mantlo? You literally right. can't because right. they can't be reprinted. So they're free. yes, you can't for that reason. Yes. Yeah, you know, and, and, and DC has done a good job of putting up that, that, that all that Arrow stuff, but they gave a new creepy 2016 enemy for Air, for Green Arrow, but they told really quickly, like, they condensed down some of the micro, the, the longbow hunter scenes right, in, right. in just two issues. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, okay, here's the greatest hints of who Green Arrow is, let's reestablish right. everything, and boom, let's go forward. I think Superman, let's bring back the Superman everybody actually liked. Boom. And put him into a different situation. All right, like that. Batman, probably the, the one book that seems like it's going into new territory. Yeah. Wondering who Gotham is mm-hmm. and, and getting and giving him a bat family again. Fascinating to me to see Clayface there. Yes. Yeah, um, I, li- I like that touch. I You know, you can't go wrong when you have like just a big brutish character on, in a team book. You know? <laughs> yeah, you know it just, it's always and a long-time fun. fan of The Thing. Yeah, yes. the, whether it's The Thing, whether it's the Hulk in Defenders, whether it's, you know, Solomon Grundy in... Didn't they use Solomon Grundy in... Um, on a something or other, uh, did, did, was there like, wasn't there some? Oh, he was in Starman. That was a good one. Uh, I guess, yeah, yeah. That, I guess that's sort of thing that when there was sort of a. a team and there's an episode of Justice League Unlimited oh, yeah. where Bruce Timm basically made them the defenders. Yes, yeah, so Aquaman and, 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 and yes. Doctor Fate is Doctor Strange. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so to me, that that that's good. And then on the flip side, you have uh, Marvel about to relaunch Marvel now, and Tom DeFalco said the. What for some people was the controversial thing is this is the way readership works now. You do seasons, right? This is the next season of Marvel. You want, you know we can't establish long term runs. Almost everything starting over with number one because that's what readers want. People, yeah, I don't know if readers want that. I think readers want. Here's an example. We had someone come in yesterday and he brought up two books, and one was the new packaging of. Captain Marvel, which combines like the first two trades of the Kelly Sue DeConnick uh-huh. run on Captain Marvel, but like he, the titles he had was like, "I'm looking for this one." I'm like, "Well, that one's in that one." You know, like this, the book you're holding contains two previous trades, so they used to be issued one through six and seven through twelve, and now it's all one through twelve kind of thing. Then it turns out like the la- thirteen through seventeen of that run just aren't collected at all. Because they're kind of, or they're in infinity and other things because they were. were I find that very confusing. That's very confusing. And then, but I presume they're going to do then the rest of the run of of, um, Captain Marvel. They'll do another, you know, collection or what have you. An omnibus. Yeah, or just I'm doing the. I like these larger. I like when they recollect into the larger things, but when they're not all out. Like I said, I had a guy try to mix and match and figure out how do I get from A to B, and I was sort of saying, well. The stuff in between, it looks like Marvel has kind of decided it isn't as important, and you can go from this to that. But the, but the problem is, let me just say this, the problem is, like with Secret War, it made, it made when it makes everything have to end and restart together, I think that's the problem. What I like about Rebirth is that, that we are getting new first issues every month, and then, and then we can cycle through, so it's not going to be so that thing of every, everything having all the same numbers every month. But they did make mistakes. They can say, Marvel can say readers wanted it, but it did hurt readership for certain books that were only four or five issues in, like Spider-Gwen and Squirrel Girl, 
that things that could have been run would have been runs that they got delayed by secret you know, they got hit by secret wars stopped you know things had to do last days or what have you right and then and then they came back with new number ones and in some cases the new number one didn't even do as you know didn't really do as well or beef up readership from the previous issue five and and we lost sales for what would have been five more issues. And right. you know, there were 10 more issues in the time that Secret Wars took to happen. So a lot of great, you know, I don't want to say, like, great Spider-Girl, Spider-Gwen stories were lost, but sort of like, but that energy for that fan base, because as quick as those people, you know, want it, if it's not consecutive, if it's not there, yeah. they, and you know, this is even happening a bit with some of the image books that take these three-month hiatuses, uh, where originally, like, Saga was doing... You know, issue six, then the trade, then issue seven. You know, even Saga took a longer, uh, uh-huh. you know, break, and the the memory is short. I mean, if people, you know, if people come in and you tell them after a month or two that that issue is, they, they're not going to go. Okay, well, call me when call me when Marvel now begins again, and they they bring back and, and, the and I think consistency like. of packaging because I had a conversation briefly with Richard Starkings, who does Elephant Man, yeah, which is a beautiful book. And I said, Richard, what don't I have? Yeah. You know, and I said, I have the six hardcovers. And he says, well, Image changed their model. So they're doing shorter trade paperbacks before they do the deluxe editions of hardcover again. And I'm like, well, the thing is, Richard, now I have those six on my shelf. I can't mess with that. Right. (laughs) I've got to have it consistent or it will bother me. Right. And, uh, you know, so when they change their plans on collection, it brings up an interesting question. Maybe we'll throw it out there and see if we can. What hasn't been collected that you think should be? Oh, my gosh. Um, usually it's more stuff that I think should be, that has been, but I think should be back in print. Um, okay. You know, uh, you know, one of the things that I've, I've requested a few times, and I'll probably go back to the well with DC on this one, is um, the Steve Englehart, Marshall Rogers, Batman. Uh, which mm-hmm. is, which was collected as a as a trade paperback, and then they did like a deluxe hardcover that was tales. And there's two like stories by Walt Simonson, which I don't think made it into into the the hardcover because they did a hardcover that was Tales of the Batman by Marshall Rogers, mm-hmm. and that collected those stories. Um, and then they that's the Silver Saint Cloud, Robin Silver Saint Cloud, Jokerfish. Uh, the new Deadshot, the modern version oh, of yeah. Deadshot premieres. In well, there. you'd think that would make it. You know, and, and if they do, a, if they did a Deadshot's greatest hits or something, that <laughs> that story's probably in there. Um, I don't know if they are doing that for to tie into Suicide Squad or if they, you know, if they've done that before. But there, there are things like that that kind of like just fall through the the the, the, the cracks, and it and because and it's partially the plan is they did those deluxe tales of the batman hardcover type of things there's no were no plans to to you know, go to softcover with them because they you know so it's that thing of but it's a classic story that gets listed pretty much every time along with like the alan brennard stuff it's collected it's it's listed every time you know 10, 10 best batman stories or right. 10 best batman runs they talk about joker you know joker fish and it's such a or the Laughing Fish, it's such a, a complete story. I mean, it is one of the few, yeah. like, eight or ten issue runs of a series, especially with someone like Batman. Like, you know, I mean, Hush would sort of be an example of it, too. But where, you know, new characters are introduced, new threads are introduced, and it really is completely 
you know, wrapped up. It is a you know a graphic novel in in, in, a, get, yeah. in a sense. And the concern, you know, is that I, I don't know if this is a true story. At least an apocryphal story involving, uh, I think, Mike Carlin and Mark Wade when they were looking at reprints. Uh, There's a story about trying to put together a scribbly collection. <laughs> and, I, and I don't know who was the table, uh, but I know I, I know Mark Webb was one of them, and they said it, they were trying to decide editorially is it worth it to put a scribbly collection together. And somebody said, "Well, I would buy it," and they said, "Yes, gentlemen, it's worth it." But except, you know, but the only people that would buy this collection are in this room right, right. now, and so there's that hard judgment. You know, and I've talked to some creators. I, I can't remember the name of the book, but I met a filmmaker last year who had written a five-issue miniseries for Wildstorm, and he called it The Book That Killed Wildstorm. And you'll ne- it was about uh, vampires in Egypt. And he said, uh, you'll never see it collected. It just sort of right. disappeared because in the meantime, D- DC changed their editorial policy. Wildstorm was not going to exist as a separate imprint, so that last one little one right. kind of dribbled out. And you know, so there are some lost books. Maybe something to think about for next year as a question is like, what are the lost books? Not yeah. the ones that are just out of print, yeah. But what have never been collected that should. Yeah, have. I mean, Automatic Kafka is one that a lot of people, you know, at the time, you know, used to talk about. I mean, there's a lot of things like those Vertigo type of things that people felt like, oh, if only it was collected, it would, you know, it would sell better, or it would, you know, and. Well, I think Image is picking pick one up from uh, Vertigo called Prince of Cats. Uh, yeah, I forget. Was that for, was that a Vertigo? That I think was it was a Vertigo. Else? Yeah, I think it was a Vertigo book first, and now Image is bringing it out as yeah. A There's a lot collection. of stuff being yeah re recollected that 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 did pass, but it's hard to think of. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, from the the, the, the superhero stuff. There's a lot of stuff, you know, you know, in a dream way. I mean, I got a lot of it. I always thought like, oh, Omega, the unknown. But the hard, but the thing is, is as you say, with a lot of the you know going back to read the older stuff, comics are so different. I mean. You know, I, I, I keep saying, when I was a kid, comics had a ton of words. And that's like the surprising thing. But Steve Gerber, Roy Thomas, Steve Englehart, Len Wein, Marv Wolfman, these guys could not stop typing. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but these were, you know, it was the old, they were, they were writing full scripts, they would write huge captions, they yeah. weren't sure what the artist was going to actually be able to draw. So, you know, and they didn't do what they do now, because I know... Writers nowadays, once because of the the um, electronic process, once they get the art, they can go back, you know, and 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 you know, someone can drop the word balloon that goes, you know, look, it's it's, it's Bucky. If if it's clear that it's Bucky, yes, you know, you don't have to say to say that. But I think in the old days, you didn't know how the printing or the colorist was going to you know screw it right, up. Right. So you had to say that's Bucky over there because that little guy in the blue and red suit might it might not be clear it was Bucky. <laughs> and there are some artists that don't do a great job of differentiating. Yeah, you know, Bucky's hard to draw. Come on, give but, well, <laughs> that's why they gave him long hair. He stands out now. Uh, but but I do think there. I, I think but but it just it was just a different it was a different style and it goes back to EC. I mean the the EC comics. You know, apparently were written where that was the, the the caption was the script, so that's why the the writer would write the caption, and then the artist would just draw what was in the caption. The zombie lumbers slowly across yeah. the lane, and you know, and, yeah. and 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 they were describing what you were reading, but that was what the style of, of comics used to be. And you know, and you think of you know, I could talk about Watchmen forever, but. When I ever look at Watchmen, I go, oh, oh that's the new sequel to Watchmen, right? Watchmen, Watchmen Forever. Forever, exactly. Watchmen, after Watchmen, that's the, the well, I guess that's what, what Rebirth is. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, <laughs> we, yeah, we haven't even talked about that most controversial yes. part of it. I, you know, I, 
my understanding, you know, again, it's sort of around is that Dave Gibbons is not super pleased either, you know, thinking it's a mistake. And I was not reading Superman closely enough to notice that there was this Mr. Oz, Mr. Oz thing, yeah. that was, you know, is allegedly Ozymandias, that even the yeah. Superman of of the old Earth is has leaves a blue handprint, which everybody's going to, you know, is that mean he's Dr. Manhattan? I think it's blue Superman coming back. I think they're bringing back the electric Superman. Oh. <laughs> you know, because... Wait, 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 where was the old Superman? Leaving uh, of blue... He went to the, the, the New Earth's uh, Clark Kent's grave. Oh, right, right. And he put his hand down and he left a, a blue print. Right. And it was glowing. So it's like, you know. Um, and of course, the, the smiley face with blood. Because now that's become the symbol. Right. I, I would say that so many things would be worth doing, doing right, but that conspiracy behind the whole thing yeah. is just awkward in that, you know, the whole point of that smiley face having a blood splatter. That wasn't that wasn't the symbol of the comedian. That's yeah. the, that was his, he bled well, on he it. He bled on it. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Right. So I mean, and and and, and, and yeah, and I think the other thing is that and 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 um, uh, and it actually in the context of the story, the blood actually gets wiped off the smiley face, so there wouldn't be. So even if there were 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 leftover props from Watchmen World or whatever. The, the, the bloody oh, but it's, face. It's, it's, it's props from the movie. Man. It's props from the movie. It's the ones we, we used to the attaboy. They're attaboy buttons. The attaboy open. Uh, no, but but so I mean so technically that does. I think that was someone someone pointed out that technically the button with the blood on it doesn't exist by the end of Watchmen because yeah because you know it's what is this you know Dan wipes it off and says what is this bean juice and yeah human bean juice you know is Rorschach's you know uh, uh, dark reply. dark reply yes. Um, but you know, but I'm saying, but I was saying about you know, about the way comics are too. Watchmen, you know, no captions, no sound effects, no thought balloons. Um, you know, removing all the the excess words and making it more like the experience of a movie. Of you see something and you hear what is, or you you, you know what is yeah. spoken out loud, but you have no idea. So you know, Alan Moore made the the this made it more of a theatrical comics a theatrical yeah. experience. Um, as opposed to a reading experience, you know, when, and that's led to a lot of different things. So I do think every time I go, something that was to me so brilliant, like Omega the Unknown, when I was again a fourteen-year-old in the seventies, is like it, it, it's 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 good. It's not that I don't think it's not good anymore, but it it, it is. I understand now, you know, that you know it's like the kids who don't want to see black and white movies because that's not what a movie is. You know, a comic book isn't this thing that's got all these. You know, panels and I mean all these you know, captions and things posted, pasted over the yard. Well, I'd say I bought one recently. Uh, that my son picked up that it was the cover was very colorful uh, and, and the interiors were black and white, and that was immediately like right. fail to him. Why would you bother with black and black and white when you can do color? Because it costs money, right? You know, <laughs> right, basically, you know, people are trying to make money, son. Uh, <laughs> right. So, but it is interesting, different style, and I can't get him to pick up old showcases. Right. That matter, you know, like I think Shazam, the, that original collection of the when CC Beck came oh, back yeah, in '72, yeah. you can't get, you know, those are great kids comics, yeah. and they're better than any version of, of right. Captain Marvel, the Shazam Captain Marvel, that they've done since. And but they're in black and white because there's no money in giving them a really good reprint for that run. Well, and not for that many pages. I mean, it's always yeah. a trade-off. I mean, Marvel, I think, is sort of, a, you know, you know. Creating the essentials made 
it a stop in the way because they had the yeah. essentials and they have the masterworks and they had they made it they monetized it all by making each little step kind of R and D for the next step and also I think getting a lot of that stuff ready for digital. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, but you know, but they've essentially liquidated their essentials line, as you know, Marvel yeah. has, and yeah, show, showcase seems to be a deadline. I mean, DC, without really announcing it, I mean, has shifted into doing um, instead of the archives, they're doing like Golden Age and Silver Age omnibuses, and yeah. you know, and Silver Age collections, which are good. I, I think they need to have that stuff available. Um, and especially if they want it, especially since something like Rebirth is also selling this idea of history, it is great to be able to, you know, have, you know, a Flash yeah. book that has, you know, the Flash of Two Worlds in it. Um, you know, to be able to show, this is, you know, this is where the concept of parallel worlds and the JSA mm-hmm. and all this stuff, Earth 2, uh, you, know, came, you know, came from. Um, Although, if you're a follower of the Arrowverse on CW, it's probably Earth 3. They flip-flopped those Earths, really. What do you mean? The 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 everybody that was a good guy on the regular uh, on the Flash, right? The evil the the Earth Two versions were all evil, and he actually referenced that on Supergirl. They said like, "Is there a parallel world where everybody's oh, yeah, evil yeah, versions yeah. of us?" And he goes, "Been there, kind of sucked." Oh right, right. You know, and uh, you know, and, and it's clear that Jay Garrick, uh, the brilliant re- reveal at the end, yeah. John Wesley ship, that that older Jay Garrick is Earth Three. The Justice Society is from is clearly. Oh wait, so is that what we're supposed to think that 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 Jay Ga- that Jay Garrick that he that uh, is yeah. not from? He's not, not from. It Zoom's, was very clear. Uh, uh, Zoom said said I was traveling. I went through other worlds and I found him and I chose to take his identity. That's why everyone assumed that he was Jay Garrick and that he was that Flash. So so the the world so there is that wasn't really Earth two. No, but they were calling Earth 2. So it's Earth 3. At the end of The Flash, Jay Garrick said, the real Jay Garrick says, I guess you'd call where I'm from Earth 3. And then the yeah. end of Legends of Tomorrow has Rick Tyler, or yeah. Rex Tyler, yeah. shows up and says, and, and they have said that, uh, that that Rex Tyler and that Jay Garrick are on the same team. So they are... Uh, so they're from this other, the other Earth. I don't want them calling that Earth Earth 3, though. they got to fix it. <laughs> They gotta have like a they gotta have like a meeting and Cisco goes as the official namer. I don't want to talk about that Earth anymore. We're gonna that awful evil Earth. We're gonna forget it existed. Earth 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 two. <laughs> it's not really Earth three because everybody. I mean, it's because it, it's not really Earth three, the traditional Earth three either. No, no, it's counter Earth. Ooh, no, they're parallel. I don't know because I think it's all gonna get wrapped up by December because there'll be a four way crossover. Right. Yeah. They'll bring yeah. Well, that that was the other interesting trailer. I don't know how long. You know, it's interesting because last year my complaint or surprise was I thought they were setting up the end of Flash season one that Flash season two would start with some sort of weird status quo because we didn't know what happened to Barry in yeah. the in the vortex, yeah, right? And it really seemed, and it really just kind of began. It's like, isn't that great that Barry conquered the vortex? The show, I, as much as I love the Flash, it has done a poor job. And maybe it's just, it's too hard for what the CW editorially want, or I guess editorially is the right way to put it. Creatively. Creatively wants, uh, as a network, is, but my son watched, pointed this out. He went back in time, and they said, like, don't tell anybody you're from the future, blah, 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 and he did, and he came back to the future, and suddenly the Pied Piper was a friend. Right. And then they never went back to it. Right. It's like, wow, you, he altered the timeline. Right. And 
you know, so it, it just kind of, they never have dealt with the consequences of any of those timeline alterations. Right, and then, well, well, the Flashpoint one seems to be a bigger one, but it's like, yes, it looks like it's more than an hour, got to be more than an hour thing. Yeah, and I think they've got to figure out a way to make Supergirl fit on the same Earth, because now she's CW, we want them all to be on the same Earth. Right, but... Well, we're not going to figure this out today. No, we're not. We're not. I'm going to I'm going to uh, skip to because I know you had to make the notes. Oh. Uh, every year, uh, <laughs> we ta- have, we, have we talked about the big issues you want to talk about before we go to the to the annual tradition of Susan Avalon's recommendations? Um, no, what I'll talk about my highlight. I mean, sort of one of Susan's highlights too. But we ran into Joel Hodgson of uh, of Mystery Science Theater. Yeah, and that was that was just a really cool moment, and he was great because I mean, Susan and I are both just you know, you know, comedy fans, um, you know, and we're fans of his, and used to live in New York, and you know, she had actually seen him at one of the you know the stand up clubs. And, I can say I saw him days. in Hedrick Hall in 1984, yeah, performing uh, in our rec room, right, for a stand up night. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was a, he was a working stand-up, and you know, and I mean, he, and he did a bit. You know, he was uh, he would appear on um, Saturday Night Live. And yeah, that's right. He was on that. Yeah, um, and there weren't a lot of outlets. I mean, he may have been like on HBO Young Comedians or something. I don't know if he um, made made that cut. But of course, and of course, Mystery Science Theater. But we were sort of fans before of his right, before right. Mystery Science Theater, and so it was you know great to sort of you know, and I'm sure most people run up to him, and the first thing they go is you know Mystery Science. And, uh, you know, and Susan said, so I had Caroline's in the 80s, and he said, oh, you're kidding me. <laughs> and then we just had a really nice, con- you know, but we were, it, was a, it was a nice conversation. It's that, it's a thing I liked about when I was sort of in, when I was doing interviews and, you know, yeah. what you do. And it's that, you know, that moment where, like, I'm not, I'm having a conversation with someone who, who I'm a fan of and not just there telling them the things I like about them. And, you, you know, so we were able to sort of find other things you know, you know, for a few five minutes in common to talk about. I had worked on the Mystery Science Theater movie that Universal did. He didn't. He was off the show by then. It was Mike Nelson by then. Um, uh, you know, but he was very interested in that because uh, you know because he's developing the new Mystery the, Science the, show the and he's looked right. at all the iterations and he's using and it, it was a very nice compliment that in terms of the. Um, in terms of the structure of the, the the movie in the Mystery Science Theater movie, which was This Island Earth, mm-hmm. you know, which was edited down to about, um, I forget, 70 minutes. He's, he was just sort of saying how the structure of the movie and the jokes, the riffs in in the Mystery Science Theater movie, he thought were some of the best jokes that the, the guys ever did. So he'd been using that as like an example uh, in the new in the new mm-hmm. writer in the new writers room. So that was that was that was that was also you know, cool to hear. Um, but like I said, that was just, you know, you know, you, 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 those are the moments you hope for. I'm going to be walking down and run into someone like really, you know, well, and, absolutely. And, 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 absolutely. Have, and have something to say. Cause you always, cause you always sort of feel, you know, and, and that was, and that was sort of, you know, one of the, one of the, the, the cool things of, of the, of the show. Yeah. Oh, and you were asking us what uh, Susan, Susan's <laughs> reading list. What's Susan's reading list? What are her um, recommendations? Taste Susan's me. a boom girl. Uh, that's what we've decided. No, <laughs> 
Uh, I'm sure Ross Rich should be happy. To she, she's that. a boom innovator. He probably uh, knows them. Uh, a boom innovator. Uh, well, no, innovator is what they, they, they. We have a program called Boom Innovators. Okay, tell me about that. Um, well, for retailers, it's just you know, sort of like committing to supporting the new lines. Of, you know, yeah. so when a new issue comes out, we're just sort of agreeing to yeah. new certain orders. Um, but yeah, they're just also sort of saying again, trying to. I think as to consumers, also presenting it as like you know we're an innovative line. So if you want, you know, they are. Yeah. Oh, totally. totally. Um, you know, but Giant Days, you know, I mean, Lumberjanes is the book that she called, you know, how, you know, three years ago as like the thing that you have to, you know, whatever, you know, you know, be reading. And now she's really into Giant Days, which is a great book. Um, Joyride, which she was, you know, re- you know, re- reminding, uh, me of short, you know, before this, um, you know, uh, you know, DC superhero girls were just, you know, big supporters of, uh, we think that's just sort of a great. You know. I think it's great that it exists. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I have a connection, which I've brought up on the podcast before, and actually Mike Cardinal and I had a brief thing in mind. Uh, Katana, the, the woman who voices Katana, was my student. Oh, right. So, you said that, yeah. So I have that nice little connection to it. I, you know, and, and it was fun enough that I can watch that with my son, which is what I love about 2016, is there's no... If you had done that show 20 years ago, yeah. it would have been, that's a girl's show. Right. And it probably is still pushed that way. Yeah. But boys are watching it and finding it fun and enjoying it for what it is, you know, so. You know, it's been a bit, I mean, we, you know, it, you know, it was on a free comic book day and definitely there is that thing and I try not to be, it's always tough because we don't want to make that, we don't want to insult people who are potentially insulted if they have a little boy and we go, here's a free comic and it's DC Superhero Girls. It's like, what are you saying? You know, it's like, but it's superheroes and they're girls, you know, it's not, yeah. it's, you know, so, you know, uh, and or that way, only, Harley Quinn is fully covered up in that one, so. Oh, yes, yes, she's yeah, not, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's, it's great. It's, it's, it's very funny stuff. It's, 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 a, it's a lot of fun, but it, it is one of those things that even though, it, yes, it's not just a, a girl's, um, yeah. I don't think it's just a girl's book. And it's, you know... Just so I'm not entirely sure, you know, Lumberjanes seems to... It's like... And which is doing a crossover right now with yeah. DC, the Lumberjanes Gotham Academy crossover, which I, I'm loving Gotham yeah. Academy. Yeah. That's a, that's a great example of, wow, there's a book that came out playing with the edges of the... That's DC the kind mythos. of thing I, I want to see DC do more of. I mean, that, you know, things that don't necessarily have to have the rebirth label, but have that... Because Gotham Academy, again, is its own can be its own thing. Yeah. And you don't have to drive yourself crazy going, well, where does it fit in continuity? And where does, you know, blah, 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 blah. But it does not fit in continuity. No, no. But it, but it's a cor- it's its own, you know, its own, you know, corner. Yeah, its own, I, I miss the days where you didn't have to. Right. Play, you know, that's so... When yeah. I was when I was not a hardcore fan, um, and I think what kind of also led to the book market was the fact that usually some of the best stuff that was being done was the stuff that was off to the side. Whether it was... Loeb and Sale doing Long Halloween, or even at Marvel, Loeb Sale doing, um, you know, uh, Daredevil Yellow and Spider-Man yeah. Blue, I mean, takes on, you know, you know, one of the things I always say about Marvel that's hard to sell, someone says, I want to read a good, you know, and they're not, they're willing to read trade paperbacks, and they go, I just want to read a really good Spider-Man story. Marvel doesn't have the Spider-Man graphic novel, they don't have, you know, um, they don't have the, the the sort kind of self-contained arc because right. it's always the soap opera. There's not a long Halloween for Spider-Man. There's not yeah. a Killing Joke. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, that's a very interesting point. I, I think about that. And I'm trying to like 
counter. But then I go to, you're right, the Loeb and Sale ones. I think Mark Miller and Terry Dodson tried to, I mean, because it's very much a parallel to Hush in a lot of ways. I think they tried to do that with Marvel Knights, and I still recommend it to people for that reason. <clears throat> if you ever read Marvel Knights Spider-Man. I did, I yeah. can't remember much about you know, it. And again, he used Norman Osborn and Green Goblin as a villain when he, when he was kind of even not even really in, you know... Uh, when yeah. he sort of when he was sort of off screen in Amazing Spider-Man, really, um, you know, but it was but it was a classic thing of trying to use all the villains and trying to you know tell a big epic Spider-Man story, and it's it's its own thing. You don't have to read anything else to understand it. You just have to know Peter Parker's Spider-Man. Um, but there's not a lot of of, of that. Um, Susan also read Killing and Dying this year, the Adrian Tomine collection, oh, it, yeah. which is which is great. Um, you know, so uh, you know the the you know it's it, it it's a it's a big pile every you know Susan, Susan I hate to say Susan may be reading more comics than I am. Um, no, it's fascinating that shift because you know we started this when we started the car cast over one year. years ago. It was <laughs> one a year. It was literally one a year. I think that the year I was in Belle with Ghost of Tales from the Grave, she snuck a second one in. And <laughs> <courtesy to me. laughs> She would read my five-page story. Well, and, and the evolution for us, I think, has been in the... I mean, since how, I don't know exactly how long we've been doing this, but maybe five years or more, six years more. We've um, been doing this almost ten years. Uh, this, really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. I'm not sure, but I was kind of back and went, my God. Well, I mean, yeah. but I think this, in the second half of it, I mean, I think in the... What I can say is this in the last... Certainly in the last three or four years... Our approach to the the store because we're you know it shifted it's shifted very adventure driven so I think that has been you know for both of us it's like looking for different you know I mean it's reading for entertainment but also reading to go what are things what are coming up with ideas for things that we can we can promote oh we like this you know uh, you know Goldie Vance you know again another you know boom title yeah but those you know the the, the which I haven't read and I should read oh it's I a know. lot of fun and beautiful design but you know I want to say that that's something that has definitely shifted for your store and that I see more and more I was going to ask about digital sales which they said print has actually gone up and digital sales kind of plateaued yeah but one thing I've noticed is a difference in your store in particular, but I see it everywhere, and that's what the Spirit of Retail Award was about, is you really have built a community, and and I'm seeing far more, you know, I'm envious that I'm not down here enough. (laughs) It used to be like, oh, I I wish I was down there. I mean, I'd love that um, now that my job takes me, allows me to come down to LA more often. It's like, there are books that I see at Elusive where I go, oh crap, that came out? It means it's been a month since I've been in been at Earth too. Right, right. <laughs> and I'm really almost telling the calendar by what books come out and go. Right, this is right. The one I always buy from Car. Right. And but it really is envy of, of but but I think that's what a store has to do. The more yeah. technology increases, the more um, we are disconnected. The more a store, I used to joke about that being it was it was the bar. It was the place where I could go and hang out and everybody knew my name. And that's really true. You're doing that kids' art initiative. Yes. Um, the rebirth, the rebirth midnight party was insane. It was bigger than, I, and we did. Did we do it in each? Now I'm trying to remember if we did one in each. Uh, yeah, I think we did it in each store. When we, when the the first time, New Fifty Two, they also offered us a midnight thing. Yeah. Um, you know, for Justice League One, way back when. Um, and I think we only did it in one store. It was kind of new. We didn't know what to do yeah. with it. Um, this. It was rebirth. Chris, our Northridge manager, really wanted to 
to do it as well. So it was like, okay, we'll do it in, let's do it in, 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 in both stores. And it was hugely successful. And, you know, we only had one new comic to sell. DC, you know, I mean, we had other new comics because I think DC let us sell their new comics and then Marvel. We were allowed to sell Justice League 50. Yeah. And Superman 52, I think. Yeah, whatever DC, re- well, whatever DC releases were out that week, I think Flash Because you had to because those were the books that took place. You open Rebirth right. 1 and it says, please read these books first. I hated that, but I thought yeah. that was a, But other than that, it was a great book. Um, it was, but but I really hated them saying like yeah to say here's a here's a fresh starting point and then say you have to read the last two issues of fifty issue long series yeah <laughs> but it, but it was huge and and the weird thing is is we had two stores doing it and we were the only stores in each of our territory in the Los Angeles area doing these midnight parties huh. for rebirth. <laughs> and you talk to a lot of people, and they say, "Yeah, well, you know, I didn't, you know, oh, I don't think anyone's going to come out." And it, and my message to retailers is always: first of all, it's it's the energy you put out there. The idea of rebirth wasn't just, "Oh, I'm going to be open at five to midnight in case someone wants to come in and buy the comic. Let's see if people show up." We always create a party. We create fun. We had um, there are cookies. We had there cookies. are thematic cookies. We have you know we have a relationship with. Um, with Jason Inman, who's you know DC All Access, and uh, and and Ashley Robinson, who's on Collider and has worked for us, and is you know, and she's like you know, I mean, she did the Supergirls presentation at at the DC booth. They did like a a, a costume yeah. co- you know, costume presentation. Um, so we have these people who sort of invest, you know, and we have you know DC locally, but we have people invested in that. So that made it fun, and Jason helped us with like a trivia, you know, contest, and we had uh, you know Sterling Gates in the house. But even aside from those things, we just take the attitude of we're, we're going to do something that's going to just going to be going to be fun. And we had so many people in the store, so many people excited about reading this book, you know, getting it home to read and not get spoiled, um, and you know, and 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 it brings us it brings us new customers because. Because we also get to show we're the people who have the stuff you want, and we're the people who are who are hopefully, you know, you know, again, as you say, the bar factor. We if we know what we're talking about and we care, then you're interested in in in, in, in coming by and, and and talking to us, and 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 just having those fun things. We did a Rick and Morty event um, that involved the people. You know, again, we have a customer who works on the show, and I was talking to him, and he said, "Well, you know what." You know, he, he's like, ah, I'm just a writer. No one wants to hear from me, but I can bring some of the designers. And I was like, really? And so we got some of the people who actually draw, design the characters for Rick and Morty. And again, we got in a lot of people who don't normally come to comic stores. We were pushing the the the, the Mister Poopy Butthole book that they did. I just yes. kept saying Mister Poopy Butthole, uh, and that was from one of my favorite episodes, Total Recall. I, re- I recall is... the Facebook posting, <laughs> um, and I've only watched two episodes, the first two episodes of the show. Oh I mean, yeah, you, you got to stay. We got to stay. I mean, there's just so much there. It's like it's 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 almost too demanding a show to watch. But it's really. I some, feel that way about a lot of shows. Though. But it's like yeah. Doctor Who, and I mean, and it is a lot like Doctor Who. Some, someone, one of the, some, someone asked, "Are you going to do any like Doctor Who parodies?" And somebody said, "The whole thing is a time travel, world saving." Par- I mean, the whole every episode is a Doctor <laughs> Who parody. Every episode could be a Doctor Who episode, and we've just turned it to its most absurd, obscene, you know, degree. Yeah. And just you know, and but it is remind me of 
doc, getting into Doctor Who because because to me it was a little bit of slow going at at first because it's like I don't you know it's like learning the language and then when you yeah. get the you know you know you know in in Rick and Morty you know uh, Rick is just always coming up with these you know new you know catchphrases and things so it's okay so, so speaking of Doctor Who yeah. I'm going to ask you as as my friend and retailer yeah to keep an eye out because I know my brain. There was an item that BBC America had mm-hmm. that I absolutely must have, and I will and I will buy it from you. Which they have not approved the final design, but they had Peter Capaldi wig. A, please, <laughs> I wish I had his hair. No, they had a crystal TARDIS with a holographic Peter Capaldi in the middle that that they just had on display on the side. And so when it shows up, if you see it because you look through previews, and I don't remember to do that. You go ahead and you say, I know that Derek will buy this. A and you order that. Artist. I will show you the video afterwards when we go to dinner because okay. I do have it on my phone. So you can see just this hologram. Wow. Yes, it was it was beautiful. I posted it on my Instagram, so you don't follow my Instagram. Yeah. Uh, but that's that that was the one item this year for me that I went, Oh, that did they have it in the booth? They had it on the booth on the plane. They said design not approved. Not oh, approved. so it's coming up. So, so, so it, was, it wasn't something to sell. It was, it was something they, something were, they planned they, to they sell. They were previewing. I just said there were two things that almost made me think. Yeah. Uh, they also had the Captain Action Ultraman uh, costume. Oh, wow. The, the, the Japanese Japan. Ultraman. The Japanese Ultraman uh, was $200. Not the Earth 3 Ultraman. No. <laughs> or the Earth S. Oh, no, which, what was the, no, because at one point, didn't they make that Earth 2? Uh, after oh graphic. yes, and that well, there you go. Oh, oh, ah, we just solved it. Ah, see, and I think that earlier in this podcast we said, well, we're not going to solve it here. We did. <laughs> this right. is when geeks collide. Yep. All right, so I, I you know I, if there's anything else on your card, speak now. Um, Robert Kirkman's a great guy. That's all I wanted to say. That is true. That yeah. is true. Now, and Robert, retailer-wise, Robert Kirkman is like a, 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 a breakfast, uh, Skybound is a breakfast for retailers every year, and that's just always a really, you know, uh, good thing. And, and mayo's not even necessary at a breakfast. And, and, and no, it's not. You really, you know, you got you got your you got your syrup and your butter. For, that's you know, was there enough butter? There was tons of butter. Okay, fantastic. Um, <laughs> And you know, and it just and, and Scott. That's Bound, our headline. With, Robert Kirkman brings the butter. And just yeah. with, within image, I mean, it's it's a good reminder that you know sometimes I think image, you know, be, is this this. I mean, there are a lot of great titles from image, but there is this corner that is the you know the the the, the Skybound company yeah. where 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 Kirkman and his team are really you know developing some serious stuff with some some some. And he's LA based, right? As a um, yeah, and in Atlanta, I mean, and, but I think he spends a lot of time on the set as well. Um, oh no, no, no. well, of course he has to. Yeah, but, Sets? but he has he has he's got three shows. Yeah, yeah. What's the third one? Oh, Fear of the Walking Dead. There's Fear of the Walking Dead. And there's Outcast. And Outcast, yes. Yeah. So and he's got and Thief of Thieves is still in development. And Thief of Thieves will will show up at some point. And then now he's writing Transformers. He's working mm-hmm. on that. And he just announced he's going to do uh, I think Lords of Amber. The Zelazny? Oh, oh my God! That's like I, I didn't hear that. Yes, Susan, yeah, Susan. That's one of Susan's favorite series. I think so. I think that's the that's the Silverberg one. Yeah, right? the, the Nine Prince. No, you said, Zelazny. You said Zelazny. Nine, Nine Princes yes. of Amber. Yeah, Nine Princes of Amber. He's developing that. I believe. Don't quote me on it because as I, a TV show, because I always thought it would be a better TV series than movie. I'm not positive what yeah. he's going. I just saw the headline: Kirkman and Zelazny. So, was there anything else? No, we, yeah, we talked about it. All, all right, right. We, we're there. So, once again, give a shout out to your store. It's Earth Two. 
the addresses because people want to know. Earth this. 2 Comics in Sherman Oaks, 15017 Ventura Boulevard, near the 405 and the 101. So if you are driving down a Comic-Con next year, it's the great place to just pop off and pop back on. I did that one year. I, I popped off. Yeah. I, <laughs> no. <Anyway. laughs> okay. I know. I, it was a great moment of, of like, I, I stopped by. It was early in our friendship. And you were like, Derek, what are you doing here? I was like, I want to get comics before I go to Comic-Con. Yeah. And then I went to Carl's Jr. And there was Mark Wade. He had the same yeah. idea. Yeah. We sat at Carl's Jr. both operating different tables, but it was like, oh, yeah. Mr. McCobb, Mr. Wade, yeah. and we read comics and then drove down to San Diego. I'll, I'll, since you meant, and I'll tell the quick story, is the, the, the Carl's Jr. people at one time were upset because they, what did they think? They thought our customers were using their parking lot, and the guy, and the, 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 the manager of the Carl's Jr. came in one day to get very upset and said, you know, you, you, know you, you have to tell your customers they can't park in their parking lot, in our parking lot, and they said, excuse me, are those your bags? And, and we said, yeah. And he saw that we had these, we've been using like the same red and blue style yeah. bags. And he goes, never mind. I'm sorry. And then we're like, what, what do you mean? And it's, and it's because he realized they were our customers. They would park in the Carl's Jr. lot, come to get comics, and then go the back and eat and read their comics. So all those guys that he saw on Wednesday at, you know, at lunchtime with bags and comics, they, they were his customers. So he realized yeah. that we were actually working And now it's not called Jitter, it's Blue Jam? It's Blue Jam Cafe. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know that it has as many blue and red bags, in it, but it's a, it's, a, it's a great place. And in, in Northridge, we're uh, 8967 Reseda Boulevard in Northridge near um, Cal State. University, or wait, what's it called? Yeah, California State University, University of Northridge, CSUN, and um, and that's got one of the greatest comic uh, comic book um, programs up there, led by Professor Charles Hatfield. Uh, I attended the Jack Kirby exhibit. There, yeah, uh, he put that together. There. So, and I need to get out to that second store. Just, I think I've only been there once. I, mm-hmm. need, to go, I need to go again. Uh, so there we go. That those are the stores. And where can they find you online? It's the Facebook page. Pretty much we concentrate on the Facebook page, so Facebook.com, Earth2Comics, or Facebook.com, Earth2Northridge, or Earth2Comics, Northridge, I don't remember. All right, well, we'll but, figure it out. Uh, I, I know that I tag you guys on almost every article. Yes, I, 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 like, we greatly appreciate that. So that we make sure, and, uh, whoops, something's happening there, so it's a good time to say, I'm Derek McCaw, Editor-in-Chief of FanboyPlanet.com. And I'm Cardi Angelo, owner of Earth2Comics. Thanks once again to the great Luke Ski for use of his music in this podcast. Visit Luke Ski at www.thegreatlukeski.com.